for the reading of God's Word. Turn to Joshua chapter number 1. Joshua chapter number 1. And thank you for the special music this morning. And uh, love to hear families singing for the Lord. Glad my third daughter is able to be here for a couple days. And uh, have enjoyed getting to spend some time with her. I was thinking about our anniversary Sunday and praying about what to preach on and of course our theme choose and I just uh, seemed like I got back into the life of Joshua and I want to spend some time this morning but I've entitled the message go on uh, thinking about 68 years are behind us but there's a whole lot of years ahead of us I think the best is yet to come be honest with you I think God's got some great things in store Heard about an army drill instructor. He was frustrated with his new recruit. He couldn't believe how dysfunctional and deficient this new recruit was. Finally, he screamed at the young man. He said to him, Son, who told you to join the army? And the new recruit looked at him and he said, The Marine Corps recruiter did, sir. <laughs> So I don't, know, uh, I don't know how you got here today, I don't know who recruited you, but I'll tell you this, I'm glad you're here, and I hope you're glad that you're in God's house this morning. In Joshua chapter number 1, we'll look at a couple verses this morning, but for the reading, chapter number 1, verse number 1, and verse number 2, the Bible says, Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all this people, unto the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for all that you have done. And certainly, Lord, we, we love to think about the blessings of God. But I think about all that you're going to do, uh, exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And I pray that you'd bless this morning, speak to hearts in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. Now, sometimes in life as a, as a Christian, we find ourselves at a crossroads. We come to certain places in life where we might even doubt why God has brought us to that particular place. I always love the, the times that, and there's been many in my life, where when I reach those crossroads that God steps in, that God intervenes in, in my life and maybe sometimes in my home. And certainly I want God to, to work in such a way in our community and in our nation but listen, what God wants us to do is the same thing God wanted Joshua to do, and that is to go on. Now, last week when we uh, talked about our theme, this matter of choose you this day whom you will serve. And I love how that just resonates in my mind and in my heart that God wants us to make choices. But today we step back earlier on in Joshua's life, and we think about today Joshua as a younger man, and how God was telling him, Joshua, look, I understand there's been a changing of the guard. 
I understand that Moses, my servant, is dead. But he says, Joshua, I want you to lead my people. I want you to go on doing what Moses was doing. You see, Moses was the one, if you remember in the Bible, that stood before Pharaoh. Moses was the one that when Moses stood there and Pharaoh would not let God's people go, Moses was the one that threw the the staff, the rod on the ground, and it became a serpent. Moses was the one that really was the one that, that, that brought all the plagues. We know that they were of the Lord. But Moses was there, and he was the one that was leading. He was out front of God's people. But now the Bible says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Can you imagine what it was like to be the children of Israel, to hear those words, Moses is dead? To begin to think to themselves, well, who's going to lead us now? Is he a man that God is working in his life? Is he a man that God is, is blessing, that God will do for him what God did for Moses? There were no doubt a lot of things that were going on in their minds, and, and they were wondering to themselves, what would God do in the days ahead? When I think about our 68th anniversary as a church, only God knows what's going to happen in the days ahead. And I think about how God's lesson for us is the same lesson that God had for Joshua, and that is that God wants us to go on. He wants us to continue. Uh, There have been some great men and women of the faith that have gone before us, but now it's our time. This is our opportunity, and it all begins, first of all, with God's petition. God's petition for Joshua. In other words, we're talking about God had a call on Joshua's life. And I think about how that so many times the devil tries to keep adults and he tries to keep teenagers from doing God's will for their life, from fulfilling God's purpose and and to to follow God's call on their lives. The question this morning begins with this, are you saved this morning? How many of you would say, Pastor, I am saved. I know Christ is my Savior. What a wonderful sight this morning. You see, that's where the Christian life begins, but along with salvation comes a purpose. God saved you, and God has left you here, and God has a greater purpose, and the greater purpose of God for your life and mine is this that God would get the glory out of our lives, that God would be glorified as we live in this world that, listen, the Bible says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I want God to get the glory out of my life. And I hope that this morning and every day as you live in this world as a child of God, that you understand God's purpose for you, that God would be glorified with your life. And all of us need to learn the exact same lesson that Joshua had to learn, and that is what was God's purpose for his life? What was God's call? Notice the call of God, the petition of God, it came in a difficult time. The Bible says again in verse 1, Moses, the servant of the Lord, uh, 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 had, had died and 
in verse number two, and, it's, and it, God says to him, I want you to arise and go over this Jordan, thou and all this people under the land which I do give to them, even the children of Israel. You see, he was being called upon by God to lead the people. Now, listen, those are big shoes to step into. Moses had just led God's people for 40 years. And I read in the Word of God in Exodus 34 how the Bible says of Moses that he was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights, and he did eat neither bread nor drink water. He wrote upon the tables of the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments, and it came to pass when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with the two tables of testimony in Moses' hand, that when he came down from the mount, that Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. Now here's the man of God, and he just spent 40 days and nights with God. The glory of God, the Shekinah glory was on his face. This was the man that, that walked and approached God, that, that saw the bush burning, but it was not consumed. And he heard a voice saying, take off thy sandals, thy shoes, because the ground that thou standest on is holy ground. Joshua was asked to come behind this man that had received those commandments as we just read about. And although Joshua was glad to be a part of what God was doing in his day, and you and I should be grateful for the past that God has done in Bible Baptist Church, listen, church, help us to understand we should not live in the past. God has so many great things for us. He wants us to go on. Just like our forefathers, God asked them to go on and serve God. Paul writes to those in Philippi, says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And I want you to understand that although Joshua was there that day, and although Joshua understood what had happened in the life of God's servant Moses, that he also understood that God was looking to him now. God was asking him to go on. It was a difficult time, but I want you to understand that God's petition did come in a difficult time, but it came to a dedicated man. The Bible says he was Joshua, the son of Nun. You see, when God is looking to do something, just as we see here, God chooses a man. This is God's method. God didn't choose a machine. God didn't choose a denomination. God didn't use a committee. God chose a man. And when God wants to go on, he calls out men and women who will be faithful servants of his. And I believe that God is still looking for a man and a woman today that would say, I want to serve God. I don't want to be a spectator. I want to serve the Lord. I want to get involved. I want to put my hand to the plow. We all know that when God's call comes, that it comes to dedicated people. The Bible says in Psalm 75, promotion cometh neither from the east, nor from the west, nor from the south. Now, if you understand those directionals, there's one missing. Because promotion comes from above. Notice that it says God is the judge. 
he put it down one and set it up another. Now, there were so many men in that day, I, sometimes I think to myself, why would God choose Joshua? I've asked myself that sometimes. Out of all the people in this world, why would God choose me? Certainly, I'm nothing special. Joshua was a man that was a man among men. There were so many men that God could have chosen. Why did God choose Joshua? Well, I'm glad you asked. Joshua was chosen because he was a proven man. He was a man that was proven of God. The Bible says in Exodus 17 that in one day in Joshua's life, that Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. There were so many times that Joshua served God, that he stood tall for God. He proved that he had faith in God. And I see that God calls those who are already serving him. Joshua was a proven man. He was serving God. I think of others in the Bible. The Bible says that Noah walked with God. And while Noah was walking with God, God called him to save a generation. Joseph. Joseph was a servant when God called him to lead his people in Egypt. Moses was tending the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro when God called him. David. David was just a shepherd boy on the hillsides of Jerusalem when God called him to be a king. Peter, James, and John. They were fishermen. When Jesus came by and said, I want you to leave those boats and leave those nets and follow me. I think about Paul and Barnabas. They were members of the church in Antioch. When the Holy Spirit of God said, separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. You see, God calls those who are already serving them. And today, we look at the life of Joshua. And I will also add to Joshua, there was another man that understood how important it was to serve God. His name was Caleb. Those two men understood what it means to serve God. The Bible says in Numbers 14, if the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not ye against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. And I'm going to tell you today, God is still looking for a Joshua, and God is still looking for a Caleb. He's looking for someone that is already serving him, that have proven themselves to God. Joshua was chosen because he was a proven man, but he was chosen because he was a serving man. The Bible says in verse 1, he was Moses' minister. I love that little phrase there. Somebody said the measure of a man's greatness is not how many people serve him, but how many people he serves. How many people he serves. You know what Joshua did? I could put it this way. Joshua did whatever Moses needed. That's what he did. He was Moses' minister. A true servant's heart is willing to serve in whatever area God opens up. The Bible says in Matthew 23, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that humble himself 
shall be exalted. Folks, I'm going to tell you that in difficult times, God calls dedicated people. But why does he call dedicated people? Here's why. He calls them with a directed purpose. You see, this was something that God gave to Joshua. It was God's petition. Remember, Joshua had the call of God on his life, and you and I have a purpose, a reason, a call of God on our lives. Look at verse number two, what it says. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. You know what God's saying to Joshua? It's your turn. It's time for you to get off the bench. It's time for you to do something for me the way Moses did. God gave Joshua his orders. And can I tell you that you and I have been given orders too? We're not in the United States military. We're in the Lord's army, right? And listen, our commander-in-chief, the Lord Jesus himself, has given his orders to the church. Say, Pastor, where are they? Well, they're in the Word of God in Matthew 28. Look what the Bible says. Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. You know what we just read there? We just read the purpose of the church. Do you know what the church is? It's not this building. It's the people of God. And God has a purpose for Bible Baptist Church. God has a purpose for you and God has a purpose for me. And they are not suggestions, but they are orders. Joshua's order was to claim the land. And you know what God's orders is for us? To claim this area. To claim the world for Christ. God did not call Joshua to sit on a bench and complain. Now, I'll share this as an illustration. It's a true illustration. But before I share the illustration, I will tell you that I am not a fan. Some of you will understand that in just a minute. But a little while back, they had the National Football College Championship game. And there were two teams playing. And I'll be honest with you, I could care less which team won and which team lost. But these teams were playing this game, and I didn't watch one minute of it. But I watched the highlights, and I'll tell you what, I, I, I watched that, and I saw what happened in that na national championship game, and how the one team beat the other team, and then I began to read about the, the young man that threw that touchdown pass, and I began to read about it because during the season, the left-handed quarterback, his first name is Tua, I'm not going to pronounce his last name, I don't even know how to pronounce it. But he found himself playing throughout the year in what they call mop-up duty. He was a backup quarterback, and he was playing in that uh, situation with mixed results. But somehow, by providence, and I'm not saying God's providence, but he had played only sparingly as a freshman. But in this college football national championship, his coach turned to him after going to the locker room down 13 to nothing with his starting quarterback, turned to this freshman quarterback to play for the Crimson Tide, and this young kid came in and threw two touchdown passes along with an interception. He completed 14 of 26 passes for 166 yards, and he left everyone wondering why Nick Saban 
didn't play this kid before then. They're like, where did this kid come from? He was the oldest of four children. He slept as a child with a football in his arms. He was regularly scolded at his grandparents' home for playing catch during times of prayer, and he broke many windows and screens as he threw his football to, to gain arm strength and accuracy. But that day, this young man was called off the bench and into this game, and that's exactly what God wants you and I to do, is get off the bench and get into the game. And by the way, if you look at the story, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I love the fact when they stuck a microphone in that young kid's face, that he gave God the glory for what had happened that day. You see, I think about God's petition and how God will do things at a difficult time, but he does it through dedicated people. And God does it for a directed purpose, but along with the petition, the call, comes God's provision. Somebody said, with God's calling comes God's enabling. With God's calling comes God's enabling. Where God guides, God provides. God will not call us to do something without enabling us to do it. And here's what the Bible says. Notice, first of all, his place. Now, I'm talking not about Joshua's place. I'm talking about God's place. Look what the Bible says in verse number three. The Bible says, Every place that the sole of your feet shall tread upon, that have I, notice, have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses. Whose land was it? Was it Joshua's or God's? It was God's. And notice, God gives him a place. It was the place, the land that God had promised to Abraham years before. Genesis chapter 12, verse 3, I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. You know why? Because God honors and God blesses those that honor him and his people. The fact is, when you look on a map, if you look at the land that they occupied as the nation of Israel, the truth is they only ever really occupied one-tenth of the land that God had promised to them. You know what that said to me when I realized that? is I think about how many of God's children only claim about 10% of the promises that God has given to us in His Word. God has so many promises for us, and we need to claim those promises. And God gave the provision of the land, but notice He all along with that gave His protection. Joshua was going to have to fight and face seven nations of the Canaanites. And I love what the Bible says in verse 5. God said to Joshua, Joshua, I will be there with you. You won't have to go alone. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And you know what Joshua was? He was confident that God was going to protect him. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what's going to happen in the days ahead, but I know this. I have all confidence that God will protect us as he says he was. You look back historically in our nation, and I guarantee you back in 1776, the scene probably looked pretty hopeless. As a nation, as the beginning of a nation, but I'm glad that there were some men and some ladies 
that had faith back then in 1776. It, it probably looked hopeless in Joshua's day, but I'm glad there was a man that says, I have faith in God. And the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. One of our early forefathers, John Adams, said, it must be felt that there is no national security but in the nation's humble acknowledged dependence upon God and His overruling providence. God will protect us and we need to be confident in the Lord like Joshua was because God says, look, I will provide for you, Joshua. I will provide for you the same way that I said I would provide for Moses and God provided his place. He provided his protection. He provided, thirdly, his presence. The Bible says there in verse number five, so will I be with you. I've had a lot of people that have been with me, stood with me, defended me, but I'm going to tell you something. None of them can protect me and defend me the way my God can. It means so much to me to know that God says, I will never leave you. I will be with you. Can you imagine what it meant to Joshua to know, as Jesus said, I will be with you always, even unto the end of the world, when God says that he'll be with you. You know what that means? When you get in your car and you get on the 95, God will go with you. That means when you get on some of these side roads and these drivers drive like they do, God will be with you. When you go to work, God will go with you. When you go serve our country in a foreign land, God will be with you. The Bible says in Hebrews 13, 5, let your conversation, your lifestyle be without covetousness, but look at be content with such things as you have. Let me ask you this morning, do you have the Lord? Many of you raised your hand and said, I know Christ is my Savior. You know what that, that means? You have the Lord in your life. And the Bible says, be content, watch this, with such things as you have. You know what I have? I have something this world can't take. I have the Lord. And the Bible says, look at this, for he has said, I will never. Now, I know people tell me all the time, you should never say never, but I think God can say never whenever he wants, right? And God says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I love this little quote. Somebody said, the will of God will never lead you where the grace of God cannot keep you. The will of God. The presence of God. If God brings you to it, God will lead you through it. And this is what Joshua understood, that he had God's call on his life, but he also had God's protection and God's provision. And look, just like Joshua, it's time that you and I serve the Lord. But notice, I want you to see as Joshua was called upon by God, that there were some preconditions that I want you to see. Look in, in chapter number one, look at verse number six. Here's what God says to Joshua. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou, notice, only be thou strong and very courageous. 
that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it, from the law, from the word of God, to the right hand or to the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. You see, folks, if God is going to use us, and by the way, that should be your prayer, is that God would use you. There are some things that I want you to see that Joshua had when God called him. And I hope these are evident in your life. Notice, first of all, Joshua had a courageous faith, a courageous faith. He had a strong faith in God. The Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We need to believe that God can do anything. Just like somebody said years ago, God can do anything but fail. And understand this morning that God can do anything. I heard a story and it, and it was one that really, honestly, I had something very similar happen in my life when I was a little boy. But this father wanted to take his son out and he wanted to take him out to fly a kite. His little son was only three years old. He really didn't understand the whole concept. But his dad told him, he said, son, we're going to take this kite. It's just a couple sticks, some paper. He says, we're going to attach this string to it. We're going to put a little tail on it, and we're going to let it go into the wind, and we're going to fly this kite. And the little boy just couldn't, couldn't wrap his mind around all of that. So they got out to the park. They got out of the car. They got all the stuff to make the kite. They put it all together. He tied the tail onto the kite, took the string, and he hooked the string to the kite. A little gust of wind started to come. The father took the kite. He held the kite. He told his son, take off running. And the little boy took off. The kite went up in the air a couple feet. He began to fly a little bit more, a little bit more. He walked over as his son was standing there holding that string, looking at that kite. The little boy looked over at his dad, three years old, and he said, Daddy, he said, I knew it would fly because you said it would fly. Folks, we need to be those kind of children, children of God, who would say, God, I knew that it would happen because you said it would happen. God, I knew that this would fly because you said it would fly. God, I knew that if I gave because you said give, that you told me that you would bless me, that you would reward me. God, you said if I go bearing precious seed, that I would doubtless come again bringing my sheaves with me because you said it. You said if we have faith that it would please you. You see, Joshua was a man that had courageous faith. But notice, secondly, he was a man that had a complete obedience. The Bible says in verse number 7 that God told him to observe to do all things. And we pick and choose, don't we? the things that we want to do and the things that we don't want to do. But God's told Joshua, I want you to observe. Now watch this. I want you to observe to do. Follow me now. He had spent 40 years with Moses. He watched everything that Moses did. And now Moses is gone. God says, uh, Joshua... Your time of observation is now going to come to fruition because everything that you observe, I now want you to do it. 
The Bible says, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You see, many times we know what to do. We've observed. We've seen it in the Word of God. We've watched another Christian. We've watched our parents. We've watched our grandparents. And God says, I want you to observe to do. You know what he's asking for? Complete obedience. He wants us to go on. The only way we're going to go on is if we observe to do. Look what James writes. Whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Folks, listen. You came this morning. You're hearing the word of God. The question now is, what are you going to do with it? Will you just let it fall on deaf ears? Will you walk out of here and go, yeah, that was good for so-and-so? Or will you hear, observe, and do? Ronald Reagan said this. I I love the quote. If we ever forget that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. Folks, don't forget what God has done. Joshua knew what God had done for Moses. And God says, just like I was with Moses, I will be with you. How many of you believe we serve the same God? Do you know that Joshua's God is your God? Do you know that our God was Moses' God? And just what God did for Moses, guess what? God can do for us. Remember what Jesus said? All power. How much power? Is given unto me. And then he says, go ye, therefore. You know what he's doing? He's giving us his power to do his work. And you know what he wants from us? Complete obedience. We need to have a courageous faith. If we're going to go on, we got to have complete obedience. But notice, thirdly, we need to have a continual meditation. Continual. Look at verse number 8. Love the verse. The Bible says, this book of the law. How many of you are glad to have a copy of God's Word in your hand this morning? It's one thing to have it. It's another to spend time in it. It's one thing to gloss over it. You ever heard the word skimming? Anybody ever been guilty of skimming your Bible? It's not the same as reading, and reading is not the same as meditating. You ever hear the old uh, farmer talking about his cow, how his cow would eat something, and he would sit there and he would just... And then not to be gross this morning, he would kind of bring it up. Then he would take it down again. That's what you need to do with the Word of God this year. If you're going to go on, you've got to spend some time in the Word of God. You've got to meditate on it. You know what that means? If you're going to meditate on the Word of God, you've got to slow down. (laughs) Folks, in this fast-paced society we live in, You're not going to get something out of a Twinkie devotion. you got to spend some time in the Word of God. See, God's looking for men and women 
that have a courageous faith. They have a complete obedience. But notice they are continually meditating on the Word of God. You know what happens when you are continuing to meditate on the Word of God? You know who you're continuing to think about all the time? God. You're thinking about God. When we retain God's Word, listen, it goes into our hearts. And the Bible says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. Listen, that means not just on Sunday mornings, every day of your lives. The first chief justice of the United States, John Jay, said this, the Bible is the best of all books, for it is the Word of God, and it teaches us the way to be happy in this world and in the next. See, God's Word is inerrant. God's Word's infallible. God's Word is inspired. God's Word is true. God's Word is tested. God's Word can be trusted. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. And what do you and I need to do with it? Same thing Joshua needed to do. Hide it in our hearts that we might not sin against God. You see, we, are, we need to be men and women if we're going to go on. We have to understand. I mean, look, look at the verse again. We love this verse because... There's so many today, and I won't name names, but I guarantee you, you know who I'm talking about, who preach a prosperity gospel. You want to be prosperous? Look at verse 8. God says, this book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. Now watch this. I'm in the Bible. I'm reading God's word. I'm meditating upon it. I'm hiding it in my heart. And the Bible says that thou mayest deserve to do according to not just some of it, not just what I want, I can't pick and choose, but according to all that is written therein, for then, after you spent time day and night, and you spent time meditating on it, doing whatever it is that God has instructed you to do, then thou shalt have a prosperous way, and then thou shalt have good what? Success. Isn't it interesting? The only time in the Bible the word success is used is right here in this verse. And it's in relationship to the time that you and I spend in God's Word. What do you think the Lord was saying to Joshua? Joshua, I need you to know my Word. I I don't need you just to know what Moses did, the habits that Moses had. I need you to get in the Word just like Moses got into the Word. I need you to be completely obedient to me, just like Moses was obedient to me. I need you to have a strong, courageous faith in me, just like Moses had in me. And if we do that, you know what will happen? We'll go on. That's what God wants us to do in 2018, 2019, 2020, and on and on and on, is to be faithful to our God. You see, people come and people go, but our God remains, does he not? Let's bow our heads this morning. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Joshua was able to go on in a difficult time. And certainly as he went on, God provided for him. If you're like me, I am certainly glad for God's provision in my life. But the greatest provision God ever gave was the gift of His own dear Son, Jesus. If you're here this morning and you do not know Christ as your Savior, 
That's the beginning of your journey, your new life in Christ. And if you're here this morning and you've never had a time in your life where you realize that you are a sinner and that Christ died for your sin, that you can have a home in heaven someday. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Remember I told you they didn't claim but 10% of the promises that God had for them. And one of God's greatest promises in the Word of God is that God promised that you can have a home in heaven someday, but there's only one way to go to heaven, and that is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said, I am the door, I am the way. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ, I ask you this morning, God is begging you this morning to accept His gift of eternal life. You see, it is a gift. It cost God His Son. Jesus, the Son of God, gave His life so that you could have a home in heaven. And the Bible says that you must receive the gift of God. And that gift is eternal life through Jesus Christ. The Bible says, For by grace are you saved, through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And if you're here this morning and you're honest with God this morning, you've never had a time that you've asked Jesus to forgive you of your sin and to be your Savior. You can do that this morning. With every head bowed, every eye closed, if you pray from your heart this morning, right there where you're sitting, Lord, I know, I know that I'm a sinner. And I'm asking you today, Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me of the sin in my life. Come into my heart and be my Savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Now with our heads.